0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up.
1: Brought to you today by Upstart. Once again, we have no good martinis, but our first one is a potential good martini. Jim, uh, first of all, glad you're with us today. Um, Antifa. Antifa is a major problem. A couple months ago, Joe Biden said they were just an idea. But that idea, Jim, has destroyed a ton of property, billions of dollars worth of damage uh, over the course of a number of months. They've injured people, uh, potentially cost lives. And last night they were out again, breaking the windows of the Democratic Party of Oregon in Portland, uh, attacking the original Starbucks in Seattle, uh, doing things in Denver, uh, basically saying they uh, hated Joe Biden. They don't trust Joe Biden either. So, Jim, we know that because there was an election last year that the media tried to pretend Antifa didn't exist. Now that they're still doing this with a Democrat in the White House, can we finally do something about this or are we just going to still pretend they don't exist?
0: Greg, you're going to have to refresh my memory here. Wasn't it just like a couple days ago that they put 20,000 or so National Guard troops around the U.S. Capitol building and additional police and I don't know if it was, also including National Security, uh, National Guard forces around state capitals because of the potential menace of right wing violence?
1: Yes, supposedly, yes.
0: And we didn't see any, thankfully. Good. I'm not willing to dismiss the idea that having 20,000 troops around the Capitol building is a very effective form of deterrence, and that if we hadn't deployed that, maybe there would have been Proud Boys or Boogaloo or or any one of those particular groups. No one said we got to deploy the National Guard around the original Starbucks which by the way, really should be some sort of national landmark. Um, And we didn't, and lo lo and behold, there was violence there. You mentioned Denver, you mentioned Portland. Um, I didn't see any right-wing violence there. I saw left-wing violence there. And this somehow uh, wasn't something we've spent the last two weeks talking about. Maybe it's worth acknowledging that violence can come from either side of the spectrum. Secondly, Greg, I wrote about this in the morning jolt towards the end, and I referred to them as Antifa. And at least one reader, Greg, has said, it attempted to correct me, contending that these are not Antifa. They're anarchists.
1: Okay. Now
0: I, yeah, I mean, I look at this and I'm like, okay, this feels kind of like the uh, uh, Judean People's Front versus the People's Front for Judea, you know, sort of thing. We're like, look, at some point when you're smashing things, I, I'm not sure, you. Know, I, I feel a little bit like this, you know, tastes great, less filling, um, very fine distinctions. I don't care if these guys are anti-fob because they're all they're dressed all in black and they like smashing things. That to me is more or less the definition of anti-fob these days. Any can say that it stands for all of these other things. In practice, they are a pro smashing things and destroying other people's property and assaulting other people movement. That's that's at the core of it. And if you're saying, hey, that sounds kind of fascist, yeah. <laughs> Calling yourself anti-fascist does not make you not fascist if you behave in a fascist way. I think it was batman begins taught us it's what we do that define us not the way we dress but anyway that's where we are with this i'm glad that they can uh, discuss this i do remember there was two signs at the portland uh, rally turned riot there uh one said we don't want biden we want revenge and i suppose this is why some democrats might look at that and say oh well these guys have nothing to do with us they're So far onto the left wing that they're not within the reasonable spectrum of the Democratic Party. The banner had a Kalishnikov, one of those, you know, AK 47 style curved banana clip rifles there, Greg. That's not ominous, right? That's uh, nothing to worry about. Uh, And the other thing is the other banner they had is We are ungovernable. Greg, I don't know about you. I got to give them at least one point for accuracy.
1: <laughs> that's true. No, that's right. So, I mean, the media, for the most part, obviously, there's been enough reports that we're talking about it. Mainly local news and and a couple of aggregators, but uh, most of the mainstream media not talking about it because right now, Jim, they're acting like thirteen year old girls in study hall, just looking dreamily at the at the at the kid who's a couple years older than them and. Uh, practicing writing their first name with his last name and with a little heart over the eye in Biden right now. So uh, there's not a lot of real interest in digging into these issues anymore, although it could be because, you know, they keep destroying stuff. That's going to be a problem for Joe Biden, too. So you might as well get on the train now and hopefully do something about it.
0: The fact that they're now marching around with banners that say they don't want Biden. Can we get Democrats to buy in on cracking down on these guys now? <laughs> exactly. Can we, can we dispel this notion that this is just a over-exuberant expression of anger at Trump that got out of hand or something like that? Can we now recognize that these guys aren't on anybody else's side and are purely a destructive force? Is that too much to ask these days? Uh we're off to a roaring start with this administration, Greg.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. Lots of executive orders. Uh, painfully predictable is what I would say with all these things that Biden is signing because Trump just signed them, didn't go through legislation. And of course, Trump signed a bunch of stuff that overturned what Obama did and On and on and on. So uh, a lot of stuff we don't like from killing keystone jobs to now allowing biological males to compete against high school girls. All sorts of fun stuff uh, coming down the pike here through executive orders. But uh, I do have some good news for you when it comes to getting your finances in order. I mean, last year... and. Really, uh, life in general shows us that you never know what's going to happen. And if you use credit cards to pay for any unexpected expenses, it can be overwhelming to manage that debt. So take control with Upstart so you know exactly what to expect.
0: Upstart is the fast and easy way to get a personal loan to pay off your debt all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, more than half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment. Upstart finds smarter rates with trusted partners because they assess more than just your credit score. With a five minute online rate check, you can see your rate upfront for loans from $1,000 to $50,000. And you can get approved the same day and receive funds as fast as one business day. If debt is taking over your life, it's time to get a fresh start with Upstart.
1: Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash martini. That's upstart.com slash martini. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Again, go to upstart.com slash martini. All right, Jim, we were just talking about uh, this whole train of executive orders that Biden's doing here in the first couple of days. One of them, not not a big surprise, is to rejoin the World Health Organization, which uh, President Trump, of course, took us out of that after their very poor handling of uh, tracking down the origins of the coronavirus and uh, taking China's word for it for weeks on end, that it was not transmissible from human to human. Uh, Biden, as predicted, uh, signing us back in, but also, Jim, not saying a word, as you pointed out in the morning, today about any sort of accountability or any sort of reforms needed at the WHO. He's just going to go along with the pack again.
0: Yeah, Greg, I mean, I'm open to the argument. I'm not convinced, but I'm willing to listen to people who want to say that the United States, by withdrawing from the World Health Organization, loses its influence over it, Uh, that the organization is not likely to get better. Uh, In fact, it's more likely to get worse if we don't uh if we don't remain a member i i i could see that argument the problem is this is all the same group that's in charge back at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic there's they haven't fired anybody uh they haven't uh uh, reorganized themselves there's really no they've one or two reviews going on you know god knows how long that's going to take and there's really no sense that anything at the world health organization has changed from back at the beginning of next year and just in case anyone's forgotten You know, up until mid-January, the World Health Organization was concurring with China's assessment that the virus was not contagious. Uh, January 23rd, 2020, the WHO says they had a meeting. They decided to not designate the outbreak of the virus as a, quote, uh, global health emergency, saying that China had it under control. This was a ludicrous underestimation of it. It was only two days earlier. China had admitted that, yes, it could go from person to person. And heading into February, The World Health Organization's chief, Dr. Tedros, and I'm just calling him that because the rest of his name is hard to pronounce, uh, kept insisting there was no need for restrictions on international travel and trade. Now, we know, like, by that point, it was in seven countries, right? It was all we already knew this people who had the virus were leaving China, going to other countries and infecting other people. This is about as big a, a colossal failure of, a, of what's called the World Health Organization, I and mean, insert every you had one job meme right here, right? Um, and you don't have to be a crazy right winger. I have a corner post going up shortly. It's gonna talk about things from the Council on Foreign Relations, Atlantic Magazine, Foreign Policy Magazine. Uh, one of my favorites, and I missed this earlier in the year, was that Japan's deputy prime minister started calling them the Chinese Health Organization instead of the World Health <laughs> Organization, saying that they've basically become a, an extension of, of Chinese government. And there was this fascinating reuters report quoting anonymous sources within the world health organization who said that dr tedros was just ludicrously naive in his dealings with china and that once he'd staked his claim of saying china was doing a good job he was just wildly stubborn about rethinking or readjusting any of his comments um that's a failure of an organization and if and so today you know biden sends a letter to them saying we're going back in um, and the executive staff meeting today, uh, Dr. Fauci, has gone to address them. And the entire, at least uh, the, the prepared remarks indicate nothing of this. Biden's letter to WHO is about two paragraphs. There's no acknowledgement of what the World Health Organization got wrong. And that to me is why, I, like, there's no reason to think it's going to do any better. If the U.S. came back and said, hey, we want to see a better job done by WHO, and we expect you guys to do better, and we're going to help you do better, By changing X, Y and Z. okay, I I can understand that perspective. I'm not there's a part of me that says that the World Health Organization, I I don't know if it's fixable. And the Trump administration decision to withdraw, like it's the first serious consequence they've had for their failures in the beginning of this pandemic. The Biden administration has chosen to undo that. And I guess we're all just going to pretend it didn't happen. We're we're certainly not going to acknowledge it. In any of our interactions with that organization. Deeply disappointing and effectively the the, the Biden administration has decided to whitewash who and to basically pretend it didn't happen, avert our eyes. And if we do that, Greg, there is no reason to expect any improvement in the performance of the World Health Organization in the years to come.
1: Biden is like the ultimate go along to get along guy. I think that's a result of 36 years in the Senate. But uh, when it comes to the institutions, which generally uh, he's in agreement with. Uh, It's kind of a mutual backslapping society. I don't see him getting tough on a lot of people. Hopefully I'm wrong about that, but uh, this is certainly not off to a good start. We are living in difficult times where people fear having
0: thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at TheBillWaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's
1: right, and what's next. All right, let's talk about our really crazy martini now, Jim, and the crackdown on speech, particularly conservative speech, of course. Uh, is not just uh, the talk of social media now, it's now the talk, at least... (laughs) Uh, among some on MSNBC. Nicole Wallace, who used to pretend to be a Republican, has her own show on MSNBC. And she had Ben Rhodes on, former deputy national security advisor. Talking about disinformation and misinformation, this is the guy who admitted to using naive and clueless reporters to weave a fabricated narrative about the negotiations leading up to the Iran deal. So uh, let's start with Rhodes, because Wallace is actually worse on this. Rhodes, who's bad enough, uh, talking about the need to detox disinformation. Listen to this. Yes, there's a security issue. How do you identify armed militias who are intent on doing harm? But there's a broader societal issue that is going to take many years to detox the disinformation, the lies, the hate that has been spread. A whole segment of the American population has been radicalized by what has happened over the last four years and by the fact that Donald Trump is no longer there. They can no longer see Donald Trump kind of representing their grievances in the highest office. And so those grievances are going to go back underground. Uh, and I think there's a lot of work to be done uh, to, to deal with the broader societal issues that go beyond what even national security, homeland security professionals could do. But Nicole Wallace has taken it a step farther, Jim. She says that Republicans should not be able to speak and share their views unless they admit to the truth. And of course, with the Democrats, it's their version of the truth, which means not the truth. But here's what she says.
0: It would be my policy that a Republican must assert the truth before they're allowed to share any other views. And Lindsey Graham, I understand, appeared somewhere today and refused to um, really go far enough in in beating down the lie. I want to read you something Tom Friedman wrote, though, about social media companies. He writes this. Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg have to surprise us by once and for all stopping the elevation for profit of news that divides and enrages over more authoritative, even-handed news sources. Why? That does not seem out of reach. If we can protect against counterfeit dollar bills, we should be able to protect against fake news that we now know has the potential to kill people.
1: So, Jim, this is the party that came up with uh, you speak your truth, I speak my truth, instead of anybody speaking the truth. And so when it comes to uh, people being allowed to speak, it's only if they agree to the accepted liberal version, it sounds like.
0: Yeah, there's some really remarkable base stealing going on in the course of that brief conversation there. Let's begin with Ben Rhodes saying, he begins by citing armed militias that intend to do harm. Well, is there anybody out there who who is pro-armed militias who wish to do harm, right? Wishing to do harm, I assume when he's talking about them, armed means, means violence, means some sort of assault. And we should all be opposed to violence and assault, even if it's done by, say, Antifa, even if it's done by people who we're attending a George Floyd protest earlier in the day. We're, we're, we're all on board with that. Good. But as I keep emphasizing, since we've had these arguments about banning Parler and shutting down the ter- the president's Twitter account and things like that, having a crazy idea is not in and of itself a threat to other people. The problem extends when that crazy idea makes someone do something, particularly violent right, or, or trespass or to do something, uh, physical action. Right. Somebody sitting around and thinking that QAnon is going on and there's this terrible conspiracy and all that kind of stuff but like it's it could be harmful to them. It can be bad for all their relationships. It could be bad. But by itself, just thinking something bad or saying something bad is not in itself inherently harmful. And in fact, the, the founding principle of this country right there in that First Amendment, the one they listed before all the others, is the idea that we don't want people putting we don't want the government putting people in jail. Or otherwise punishing them for having dangerous thoughts or for having dangerous words, except in very, very you know specific situations that have been upheld by the Supreme Court. But then we go on to uh, the the policy uh, that she chose to lay out. This idea, but it's a person who's by the way a journalist, someone who is you know working on uh, you know Wallace is, is Nicole Wallace is laying out her on a broadcast on a, a cable news station. Um. Journalists are supposed to be in favor of the First Amendment. I guess not. But she says her policy was that the speech would not be allowed. By whom? She does not say. She doesn't say what the entity would be. that would be not allowing you to say what you wanted until you had acknowledged the truth. And she doesn't really acknowledge what, she doesn't get anything specific about what that truth is. Um, extraordinarily dangerous. And the idea that these people are considered uh, intellectual, because they compare counterfeit news to counterfeit bills. Greg, if you and I set up a Facebook post and we make it full of fake news, now here's the thing: if, you, if your fake news had been, there's been a toxic chemical spill in this area, please evacuate, and people act upon that. Okay, now I think we're, you know, we can we talk about something here. But if you and I say the moon is made of green cheese or any of this other kind of, uh, any of this other kind of stuff, we can't turn that into anything. I mean, I suppose you could argue that, you know, crazy newsletters, no, nobody goes into the crazy newsletter business because they're, uh, they're so lucrative or something like that. I'm thinking back to the, you know, Ron Paul uh, newsletters that they had back in the 90s. And there's always been this idea. In like fact, my, my colleague, uh, Charlie Cook, made this very good point because I'm not I'm no fan of Alex Jones. But he made the observation he listened to Alex Jones one day and he said, the great thing about America is that if Alex Jones can go on the radio The government will never stop me from saying anything I want to say. That's the nice thing about First Amendment, uh, if not absolutism, then defining it very, very broadly. We now know Nicole Wallace does not support the First Amendment at all, and that she yearns for some sort of authority to decide what you are allowed to say. And if it does not agree with her idea of what the truth is, you should be shut down. That it is akin to counterfeiting bills, which is a federal crime, and the Department of Treasury will come after you. I mean, in the end, these people don't really believe in free speech. They, they really do yearn for some sort of government authority to start restricting it. Um, and, you know, it might be overstating it to say that it is, you know, to use the other F word, fascistic, but it is definitely authoritarian. It is definitely an idea of wishing to, to restrict the freedom of speech that we have enjoyed since the founding of our country you got to love the left, man.
1: We've got to get rid of the authoritarian. (laughs) Day day one, you can't say
0: that. Wow. In order to stop authoritarianism, we need to restrict what people can say.
1: Incredible. It's only going to get weirder from here with uh, them in control of everything. But uh, we'll be ready, I think. Jim, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget about our great new sponsor, Upstart, upstart.com slash martini. Also, please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We're very grateful for those five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Get us on those government surveillance devices, which may tell you what you can say and can't say, but you can say, uh, play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Uh, Have a great day, and we'll see you Friday on the next Three Martini Lunch.